0: Father, thank you uh, for Richard, thank you for the word that you've laid on his heart this morning. We pray that you bless him as he um, brings us your word today, Lord, and uh, leads us in a time of reflection. Father, uh, just pray that you'll pour your spirit out on him and uh, open our hearts to listen to what he has to say. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Good morning, everybody. Um, very strange times. So everything that Laura and I had originally planned has been obviously changed slightly. Uh, Today I was going to start the new series on Philippians uh, but I'll start that next week um, in the light of the events that we all know about. So I've prepared a a short reflection for us to consider um, in the light of these recent events and then after that we will go into a time of prayer and intercession. So like I say, I was going to start with uh, looking at our new series on the book of Philippians, which is where the text comes from. Uh, shine like stars in the universe. Shine like stars in the universe. I thought it said do everything with grumbling and complaining. So I need to, I need to reflect on that myself. Um, Acts 16, though, just by way of introduction, is the first time uh, that Paul comes to mainland Europe. It's the first time he steps over from, that, uh, from the, what is now modern day Turkey on his second missionary journey. And his arrival in Neapolis, which is the neighboring town or small city to Philippi, which was a very famous, very powerful Roman military colony city, um, neighbors Philippi, this, this, uh, this city that Paul went to. This was the moment that Christianity entered Europe. It's a momentous moment like the times that we're living in, they are momentous and this happened in the early 50s AD so 2,300 years ago, isn't that amazing? Well something like that if my math is right. And the entire history of Europe has been shaped by the Judeo-Christian witness to God the entire uh, Western civilization. Right up to the point where, when you were watching your TV or watching on the internet yesterday, the language around this changing monarch from queen to king was almost exclusively religious (coughs) in so many ways. And the foundation of that goes right back to Acts 16 when Paul went to Philippi and founded a church there by talking to a lady who was praying down by the river. And all the way through our western history it is the kingship of Jesus that has defined what monarchy is. Kings across the centuries have been crowned in the name of Jesus with crosses on their garments and on their crowns. Anointed with oil in the sign of the cross, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit for 2,000 years nearly. It's an astonishing tradition that we are in. Breaking at the seams, it seems, under the weight of globalism and capitalism and secularism and paganism. But these things have come and gone so many times before, right? Is Christianity mighty enough to hold the line, to carry the weight of the world's sin, church? Yes, it is mighty enough so we're never afraid that we'll lose because Christ is the victor and it's finished, the battle is won. Jesus himself said it, Father into your hands I commit my spirit as he died on the cross for the sin of the whole world everything absolutely everything glory be to christ now all the way through western history we had some naughty kings and queens didn't we what we, what should we call them rascals ne'er-do-wells right um some of them were diabolical in the devilish sense of the word as well. They were wicked. Evil. And yet Christ and his atoning sacrifice is still sufficient for their sin and my sin and our sin. It is still sufficient because Christ is the true king. And so. Even though there were evil ones, there were good ones, there were righteous ones, and uh, Queen Elizabeth personified what righteous monarchy looks like. She just did. And that's why it was so good to hear King Charles say yesterday that he will be a defender of the faith. They uh, re-proclaimed their commitment to the Protestant faith, to defend it. Whilst being generous in the, in the fact of a multicultural, secular, pagan society that we live in now, he will be and has said on record that he will be defender of the faith. Faith, singular, in Christ, in Jesus. He knows that years ago when he said he will be defender of the faiths that he made a mistake. I can see what he was doing what he was trying to say but it was a catastrophic mistake for the head of the church of England. So all of these kings were under the Lordship of Christ and if it's good enough for them then it's going to be good enough for the people right? So we have what is called Christianized Europe, the Christianized West especially. And Christianized Europe began in Acts chapter 16. So we have another week of exciting anticipation before we come to Acts 16 to see how the church in Philippi formed. And then what gave rise to Paul wanting to write four chapters of this stunning letter to the church in Philippi a few years later. Now I was, as you were, deeply saddened by the death of the Queen it was, I was upstairs in my study just behind this wall here and I, I was preparing and I hadn't checked my phone for several hours because when I'm studying praying or with people it's on silence and I came to a moment where I turned the phone over and there was a message from a friend that said the Queen is dead. I don't know where you were when when you saw when you heard the news, whether you were even watching the news and it just happened to be announced, or whether you were coming to it later, like I did. But there was a a moment where I just went cold, and that happens in moments when people that we know that have been there all our lives. For most of us, she's been there all our lives. Not for everybody, granted. All right, but for most of us, she's been there—a sure and steadfast. Figurehead of this nation state that we find ourselves in. But I went cold. And I would say numb in some. And I'm like, I don't even have any personal connection to her. But of a similar way that we grieve when something significant is lost. <clears throat> because she's just been there. And so she has been that fixture. Now, of course, someone at her age dying is not a shock, is it? But the speed with which it happened at the end was the thing that was also shocking, wasn't it? And again, as Lauren said, signing, uh, saying goodbye to one prime minister, receiving another and then dying within a matter of 48 hours, I think, is a staggering thought to think about. God knows the length of our days. He knows the length of our days and every hair on our head is numbered. Have you ever tried counting the hairs on your head? (laughs) Or on someone else's head? Always get permission first, all right? He knows how many grains of sand there are. Now that's not to say God's a good mathematician and he can count rather well to fairly high numbers. It doesn't mean that. It means that God is, is involved in every single detail and facet of his creation, especially the height of his creation You, (laughs) you and me, believe it or not. It's another way of saying God knows everything about you. The internal life, the struggles, the desires, the wants, the needs, the sin, the brokenness, the pain, the loss, the joys, the highs, the lows, the sorrows. He knows everything. He knows the shape of your DNA. And he has called you into existence right now for this time. Welcome. Welcome. Good to see you guys. There's some seats here if you want to. Nobody will notice. Don't worry. Just come. Nobody will see. Nobody will see you. Hiya guys. It's good to see you. But I'm sure that you've noticed as well that the older she got the Queen, the older she got the more obvious her language about Christ became. Church did you get that? The older she got the more lion-hearted she became for Christ because she recognised that in her queenship she was under the lordship and kingship of Christ, King Jesus. The one that brought Christianity to Europe in Acts 16. It goes way back, longer than her reign, which is phenomenal to even think about, right? Just by way of show of hands, who was, a, who was, um, who was alive in the decade that she was born, for example? Let's, let's stay there. Yeah, right. The decade that she was born, Liz, come on. <laughs> Some of us weren't, and some of us were kind of born into, you know, post-war Britain where we had a king and then he died and then there was a bit of a, bit of a kerfuffle with the, with the monarchy at that point. And then suddenly Queen, well Elizabeth, Princess Elizabeth found herself in this phenomenal situation in 1953, didn't she? But she is becoming more lion-hearted the longer her reign went on. Jesus Christ the King of the Jews, the King of the world, don't forget crucified on a rubbish dump outside Jerusalem with a title above his throne which is the cross that said Jesus Christ the King of the Jews in three languages, Latin, Hebrew, Greek. That's another way for scripture to say it's not just King of the Jews here guys this is God's way of saying this is the King of the world. And it's in all of your languages lest you not understand. So her rule and her reign was under the Lordship of Christ and I do think that the older she got the longer she went on the more apparent and more obvious this relationship to Christ was for her. In exactly the same way. that. The kings of the old testament and the one or two queens they that were wicked by the way most of them were they were still technically under the reign of Yahweh but they didn't act like God would act they didn't display forth his character and his goodness they didn't tell the truth they lied they murdered they stole and yet they were supposed to represent God and how good is it when a monarch on earth displays the nature and the character of our good God. How good, how good is that? It's wonderful isn't it? So Queen Elizabeth understood her place and therefore stood under the rule of Christ and it seems that all the singing of the national anthem I don't know how many times a year it would have been how many thousands millions of times that anthem has been sung. God certainly answered long live our gracious Queen and it seems that he's also answered God save our Queen. But now for the first time since 1952 and this is strange to so many, God save the King but it's the King that saves the King, praise God for his mighty salvation now all of us have our place in the world before each other in relationship to the world the circles of influence that we move in the time and place that God has placed us in we all have our place and our responsibility our divinely given responsibility to be followers of Christ because that's where you will flourish the most that's where you will find healing and salvation and you'll find the goodness of God you will find God and each one of us carries, therefore, these gospel responsibilities in the world. So we don't just pray, God save the queen or God save the king. We pray, God save the butcher, God save the baker, God save the farmer, God save the delivery driver. Because this is the business that God is in, church. Salvation. Salvation. Do you know this salvation? Salvation. Have you met this risen Christ who was crucified, dead, buried, ascended for you and is coming back? Do you know him? Joseph who was betrothed to Mary had a dream and the angel said to him in Matthew 1.21, don't worry Joseph, she hasn't had an affair, you're okay. But that's the background story to the, to the message. But the, the angel said to Joseph in a dream, Mary will bear a son and you will call his name Yeshua, from the Hebrew Joshua, which means Yahweh saves. God saves his people and it goes on, for he will save his people from their sins, praise God, praise God. And this King of glory, when he's lifted up on his cross throne, for that is what it is, that was the coronation of Christ, which is the cross. He says in John twelve thirty two, I will draw, when I am lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. That's what he says. In some way, there's a fascination around Christ in every single area and sphere of life. If you're going to live well and think well and relate well, you cannot ignore the person of Jesus Christ. You'll be diminished as a result. Shriveled, less than you should be. So in that sense, he will draw all people to himself so that 2000 years after his crucifixion, we still have God save the king. We still had a queen that bore witness to the crucified Messiah as the only hope for the world. And finally, as his last words were, it is finished. John 19 verse 30, Jesus cried out, it is finished. We say amen and amen to that. Salvation is now available To any who will ask, you just have to come to Christ and say, Lord, I've sinned. I'm not right in my relationship with you and with other people. I need you, God, to save me and to set my feet on a rock that I may, may proclaim the goodness of your gospel in all the earth. So that, as it says in Habakkuk, the earth may be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea praise God so it's finished for the Queen the Queen has died long live the King and the only way that God saves the King is through King Jesus and we would all say amen to that so God save the King and God save you Because it's only by the true king that God saves anybody at all. All glory to Jesus Christ.